Welcome to Mindset Tales, where you can hear classics of English literature. All books chosen are from the public domain. Today we will be continuing our reading of Treasure Island by Robert Louis Stevenson. And now we continue with Chapter 11. Chapter 11. What I Heard in the Apple Barrel. No, not I, said Silva. Flint was captain, I was quartermaster, long of my timber leg. The same broadside I lost my leg, old Pew lost his deadlights. It was a master surgeon, him that amputated me, out of college and all, Latin by the bucket and what not. But he was hanged like a dog and sun-dried like the rest at Corsal Castle. That was Robert's men that was, and come to changing names to their ships, Royal Fortune and so on. Now what a ship was christened, so let her stay, I says. So it was with the Cassandra, as brought us all safe home from Malabar, after England took the Viceroy of the Indies. So it was with the old walrus, Flint's old ship, as I've seen a muck with the red blood and fit to sink with gold. Ah, cried another voice, that of the youngest hand on board, and evidently full of admiration. He was the flower of the flock, was Flint. Davis was a man, too, by all accounts, said Silva. I never sailed along of him, first with England, then with Flint. That's my story, and now here on my own account, in a manner of speaking. I laid by nine hundred safe from England, and two thousand after Flint. That ain't bad for a man before the mast, all safe in bank. Taint earning now, it's saving, does it? You may lay to that. Where's all England's men now? I don't know. Where's Flint's? Why, most on em aboard here, and glad to get the duff. Been begging before that, some on em. Old Pew has had lost his sight, and might have thought shame. Spends twelve hundred pound in a year like a lord in Parliament. Where is he now? Well, he's dead now and under hatches. But for two years before that, shiver my timbers, the man was starving. He begged, and he stole, and he cut throats, and starved at that, by the powers. Well, it ain't much use after all, said the young seaman. Tain't much use for fools, you may lay to it, that nor nothing, cried Silva. But now, you look here. You're young, you are, but you're as smart as paint. I see that when I set my eyes on you, and I'll talk to you like a man. You may imagine how I felt when I had heard this abominable old rogue addressing another in the same words of flattery as he had used to myself. I think if I had been able that I would have killed him through the barrel. Meantime he ran on, little supposing he was overheard. Here it is about gentlemen of fortune. They lives rough and they risk swinging. But they eat and drink like fighting cocks when a cruise is done. Why, it's hundreds of pounds instead of hundreds of farthings in their pockets. Now the most goes for rum and a good fling, and to sea again in their shirts. But that's not the course I lay. I puts it all away, some here, some there, and none too much anywheres, by reason of suspicion. I'm fifty, mark you. Once back from this cruise, I set up gentlemen in earnest. Time enough, too, says you. Ah, but I've lived easy in the meantime. Never denied myself a nothing heart's desires, and slept soft and ate dainty all my days, but when it's he. And how did I begin? Before the mast, like you. Well, said the other, 
But all the other money's gone now, ain't it? You daren't show face in Bristol after this. Why, where might you suppose it was? Asked Silver derisively. At Bristol in banks and places? Answered his companion. It were, said the cook. It were when we weighed anchor, but my old missus has it all by now. And the spyglass is sold, lease and goodwill and riggin, and the old girl's off to meet me. I would tell you where, for I trust you, but it'd make jealousy among the mates. And can you trust your missus? Asked the other. Gentlemen of fortune, returned the cook, usually trust little among themselves, and right they are, you may lay to it. But I have a way with me, I have. When a mate brings a slip on his cable, one as knows me, I mean, it won't be in the same world with old John. There was some that was feared of Pew and some that was feared of Flint. But Flint, his own self, was feared of me. Feared he was and proud. They was the roughest crew afloat, was Flint's. The devil himself would have been feared to go to sea with them. Well, now, I tell you, I'm not a boasting man, and you see yourself how easy I keep company. But when I was quartermaster, lambs wasn't the word for Flint's old buccaneers. Ah, you may be sure of yourself, an old John ship. Well, I tell you now, replied the lad, I didn't half a quarter like the job till I had this talk with you, John, but there's my hand on it now. And a brave lad you were, and smart too answered Silver, shaking hands so heartily that all the barrels shook. And a finer figurehead for a gentleman of fortune I never clap my eyes on. By this time I'd begun to understand the meaning of their terms. By a gentleman of fortune they plainly meant neither more nor less than a common pirate. And the little scene that I'd overheard was the last act in the corruption of one of the honest hands, perhaps the last one left aboard. But on this point I was soon to be relieved, for Silver giving a little whistle, a third man strolled up and sat down by the party. Dick Square, said Silver. Oh, I know Dick was square, returned the voice of the coxswain, Israel Hands. He's no fool, is Dick. And he turned his quid and spat. But look here, he went on. Here's what I want to know, Barbecue. How long are we going to stand off and on like a blessed bumboat? I've had a most enough for Captain Smollett. He's hazed me long enough by thunder. I want to go into that cabin, I do. I want their pickles and wines and that. Israel, said Silva, your head ain't much account, nor ever was, but you're able to hear, I reckon. Leastways your ears is big enough. Now here's what I say. You'll berth forward, and you'll live hard, and you'll speak soft, and you'll keep sober till I give the word, and you may lay to that, my son. Well, I don't say no, do I? Growled the coxswain. What I say is when, that's what I say. When, by the powers, cried Silva. Well, now, if you want to know, I'll tell you when. The last moment I could manage, and that's when. Here's a first-rate seaman, Captain Smollett, sails the blessed ship for us. Here's this squire and doctor with a map and such. I don't know where it is, do I? No more do you, says you. Well, then, I mean this squire and doctor shall find the stuff and help us to get it aboard by the powers. Then we'll see. 
If I was sure of you all, sons of double Dutchmen, I'd have Captain Smollett navigate us halfway back again before I struck. Why, we're all seamen aboard here, I should think, said the lad Dick. We're all forecastle hands, you mean, snapped Silva. We can steer a course, but who's to set one? That's what all you gentlemen split on, first and last. If I had my way, I'd have Captain Smollett work us back into the trades, at least. Then we'd have no blessed miscalculations and a spoonful of water a day. But I know the sort you are. I'll finish with them at the island as soon as the blunt's on board. And a pity it is. But you're never happy till you're drunk. Split my sides, I've a sick heart to sail with the likes of you. Easy, old Long John, cried Israel. Who's the crossing of you? Why, how many tall ships think ye now that I have laid aboard? And how many brisk lads drying in the sun at execution dock? cried Silva. And all for the same hurry and hurry and hurry. You hear me? I seen a thing or two at sea I have. If you would only lay your course and a pint to windward, you would ride in carriages, you would. But not you, I know you. You'll have another mouthful of rum tomorrow and go hang. Everybody knowed you was a kind of chapling, John, but there's others as could hand and steer as well as you, said Israel. They liked a bit of fun, they did. They wasn't so high and dry, no how, but took their fling like jolly companions every one. So, says Silva, well, and where are they now? Pew was that sort, and he died a beggar man. Flint was, and he died of rum at Savannah. Ah, they was a sweet crew, they was. Only, where are they? But, asked Dick, when we do lay them athwart, what are we to do with them anyhow? There is the man for me, cried the cook admiringly. That's what I call business. Well, what would you think? Put them ashore like maroons? That would have been England's way. Or cut them down like that much pork? That would have been Flint's or Billy Bones's. Billy was the man for that, said Israel. Dead men don't bite, says he. Well, he's dead now himself. He knows the long and short on it now. And if ever a rough hand come to port, it was Billy. Right you are, said Silva. Rough and ready. But mark you here, I'm an easy man. I'm quite the gentleman, says you. But this time it's serious. Duty is duty, mates. I give my vote. Death. When I'm in Parliament and riding in my coach, I don't want none of these sea lawyers in the cabin a coming home, unlooked for, like the devil at prayers. Wait is what I say. But when the time comes, why let her rip? John, cries the coxswain. You're a man. You'll say so, Israel, when you'll see, said Silva. Only one thing I claim. I claim Trelawney. I'll wring his calf's head off his body with these hands. Dick, he added, breaking off. You just jump up like a sweet lad and get me an apple to wet my pipe like. You may fancy the terror I was in. I should have leaped out and run for it if I had found the strength, but my limbs and my heart alike misgave me. I heard Dick begin to rise, and then someone seemingly stopped him, and the voice of Hans exclaimed, Oh, stow that. Don't you get sucking off that bilge, John. Let's have a go of the rum. Dick, said Silva, I trust you. 
I've a gauge on the keg, mind. There's the key. You fill the pannikin and bring it up. Terrified as I was, I could not help thinking to myself that this must have been how Mr. Arrow got the strong waters that destroyed him. Dick was gone but a little while, and during his absence Israel spoke straight on in the cook's ear. It was but a word or two that I could catch, and yet I gathered some important news, for besides other scraps that tended to the same purpose, this whole clause was audible. Not another man of them will join. Hence there were still faithful men on board. When Dick returned, one after another of the trio took the pannikin and drank. One, to luck, another with a, here's to old Flint, and Silver himself, saying in a kind of song, here's to ourselves and hold your luff, plenty of prizes and plenty of duff. Just then a sort of brightness fell upon me in the barrel, and looking up I found the moon had risen and was silvering the mizzen top and shining white on the luff of the foresail, and almost at the same time the voice of the lookout shouted, Land ho! That concludes chapter 11. We will continue with chapter 12 next time. Many of the sounds used on the show come to us courtesy of Sirenscape. Thanks as always to Sirenscape for the amazing atmosphere and music. Make sure you check it out at www.sirenscape.com. You've just got to be using it at the gaming table or on your podcast. You can find our website at www.mindsetsagas.com. Thank you, and I hope you'll join us again on Mindset Tales.